Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is April 4th, 2019. It is Tuesday. We're still in the front part of the week, and it's a beautiful day. It's been a really interesting idea of having a winter here and having a lot of rain because ever since we've had that really cold weather, even though the weather isn't that warm yet, um, a ton of people are coming to the beaches. And the water here is cold. That's why it's not very humid in Southern California because the water is not evaporating in the year because it's warm. It's cold water, so we have no humidity for the most part. But go in, and I kept thinking, gosh, you know, I know it's a little cold. How do they do that? And they're wearing a swimsuit, and I'm walking around with a, um, you know, a tank top and a coat on and all of that. And then Sunday, I did a lot of photographs at the ocean, which I did the week prior. But this one actually got wet. Like, the waves were so big that some of them snuck up on you, and there you went. So I was wet. I was freezing. My body was shaking. I'm barefoot. We have to walk up all these stairs to leave. And I, I come home and take a warm shower. And I thought, God, it just feels good to actually have weather out here. So it's been quite an interesting thing. And this whole filming thing is still going on. It's alive and well. So here we go. Today's show is Avril's question, and it goes back to the day where I said, ask me what you want to know. And we answered a question by Francis. We answered Maureen's. We answered Eric's question about video games and his neighbor. And today we get to Avril. And listen to her question. And I decided to title her question, what does self-love, faith, trust, in ourselves look like in daily life? And here are her questions. I feel the need for more depth on self-love and how we go forward in expressing that in our daily lives. Well, self-love, which is the last show I did yesterday for this series, is something that shows up every single day in our lives. It just depends on where it's at, like where is it going? How do you feel? But more than that, more than that, it's how you dress, the decisions you make, the kinds of answers that you give when somebody asks you questions, your questions are better. What does that look like? Let's say you get up, you're going to work, and you want to get dressed, you want to face the day, And a part of you says, ah, who really cares? Nobody really notices you anyway. Why are you spending this time getting dressed? Why are you making a lunch? You could just eat anything. And it it kind of, you know, doesn't care. Just wants you to go in your pajamas if you can. Eat whatever you can when you're there. Just kind of motion through the day. And then there's another voice that says, wow, I have another opportunity in life another day, and I'm going to wash up and shower and 
get dressed and make sure I eat something and take good food with me and eat at work and come home and I can't wait to get home and see everybody and just this tip light. And this is before you ever hear a decision or um, like a conversation about self-love. Because we definitely were not taught to love ourselves. We were taught to love everyone else. And then when they love us back, that determines how lovable we are. So to have to think in the opposite is kind of a lot. But once you feel good and you've taken a minute to take care of yourself, what happens to you? You get more excited about anything you see. You're driving to work and you're thinking, hey, you know what? I really, I've got a lot of hope in my life. Like, I want to do this and I really do like my job. And, oh, my gosh, what do I like about my job? Well, I like having my desk. And when I go, it kind of gives me a time out from everything else in life. And I like doing the kind of work that I do. I love drawing sketches or I love planning meetings or I love planning events or whatever it is you do just to start thinking of it as something you love. Like, hey, I chose this job. I chose these clothes because I love colors. And you just start kind of answering the needs of your heart, of your mind. Your desires are popping from here to there. When people ask you a question, you listen to them. You actually answer them fully. Not because you don't have time. We never have time. We're always rushing from one thing to another. But you make that time because it's actually less stressful and you get it than just pushing things off and letting them pile up, even if it's just a question. When you do ask a question, you make sure you're not wasting your time and someone else's time, and it's a question whose answer you really want. It's like you're accounting all day long. Yes, I want to do this. What are my intentions here? If you want to take it into that language. I have an intent. I have a good day. I feel like I can handle anything, no matter what it is. And you start to think in a way doable, not a burden. You start to think of what's working and building on that instead of, taking the one or two things that aren't working in your life and hyper-focusing on them. Why not me? Why don't I get this? I miss this. I miss that. I don't even know this. I don't even know that. You're just over and over and over again. You go to sleep and you wake up with everything that is missing. When you focus on what's there, you're saying, hey, you know what? The decisions I've made aren't so bad. They do end up working together. Gosh, it's kind of weird. Like it's a like a synchronized watch kind of a feeling. Then you have another question, and it said, I would love another show done on Bridges of Transition. As that show was a lot to take in for me, Maybe a refresher training on that. So when you have a bridge of transition, let's say that you want to, within a year, 
have found a new job. Let's take something that's not that emotional and that doesn't involve anyone else but you. And you say, I want a new job in a year. I would like it to be on this side of town. Don't want to drive as much as I've been driving before. I love my job, but it's really far. And I need those three and a half hours a day. I can only give like a half an hour. And I'm sure I live in a big enough area. I can find a good job to do what I want in my area. Let's just say. And then you say, okay, I've been saying this for a long time, but I'm too scared to look because if I look and I find a job, I will be scared to leave the other job. So now you're like in the middle of the road. You are not sure to go this way or that way, to cross the bridge or to stay on the other side. And you're scared if you start to look, you will find something. And now all these changes have to take place. But the drive is really wearing thin. The drive is really wearing thin. Four hours a day, two hours going, two hours coming back. It starts to feel unbearable. So let's say that you say, I'm going to do that. Start planning how. And as silly as it sounds, to just say, hey, I'm going to start looking. I'm going to start asking people just for a couple weeks, see what I find. I'll start Googling and seeing what's in my area. Sometimes the Internet has a bunch of stuff and everybody's seeing it, and it's hard to actually get those jobs. And not all of them are actually advertised on the Internet. Look in your local paper, ask people, already exists, doesn't know it needs you. You go to them and you say, hey, you know what? I would love to have an opportunity to work at this company. This is what I have to offer. And you start building this bridge so that now you can walk across it. Another example of a bridge of transition. My son has autism. I didn't know what he knew yet. He was still young. He was doing all this stuff. But I never really saw anything that told me if he knew what colors were or the difference between a car and a train verbally. I just didn't know. Just played and played and played, and he set him up, and I knew he could hear me because if I called him, he would listen. If his dad came home and the key went in the door, he would react. One day, I had this, I started taking classes at school, and I threw all his cars on the floor, and I said, give me the yellow car. And he gave me the yellow car. Not a yellow train, not a yellow anything, a yellow car. So I'm like, geez, if he knows that, he's got to know a lot more than that in there. So I took that as a sign that he understood a lot more than what I knew. So what I did was, I'm like, geez, if he knows that, I can build a bridge of transition out of that silent world into a world that at least we can communicate. I wasn't sure when he talked, but I knew he was gonna. I don't know why I knew, I just did. 
but I had to get him there. So I built one bridge of transition after another from his world, his way of thinking, to interacting that information with me. Because the problem was I didn't know what he knew because I wasn't interacting with him as though he knew. Once I took it upon knowing that he knew that, now the whole world was my oyster and teaching him. So I would, you know, sit with him and and all I did was build bridges for him to walk on and get out of that mindset of not communicating, even if our communication was nonverbal. So those times that I would sit with him and ask him, you know, give me Thomas the Tank Engine, give me James the Red Engine, give me number 24, um, I can't remember the race car guy's name, Gordon, Jeff Gordon, give me Jeff Gordon's car. And as I would ask him this, I knew he knew who Jeff Gordon was, so I knew when he was watching TV. He understood language to the fullest. Another thing autistics did, and the reason it's easy to tell you about an autistic mind is because it's our mind in the purest form. So if you could do it there, you could do it anywhere. So another one was, as an autistic, they only eat like five foods. It was like spaghetti with red sauce, a hamburger, Grilled cheese? I can't even remember the other ones that he would eat. But it was just like these these specific foods, and he wanted to eat them every day. And if you put anything else, it was like foreign to him. Like, no way was he going to get into it. More nutrition than that. And then I realized, hey, you know what? I know he trusts me. He does listen to me when I ask him things. So now I built a bridge of transition of trust in me for him to try new foods. Otherwise, he was going to be malnutrition. I just make new foods and not make the foods he wanted. And he would look at me like, what are you doing? And I'd say, because I knew he understood. He knew who Jeff Gordon was in the car. So my the bridges I was building were him trying something new. And the way I did it was not giving him the option that he normally wanted. So I spent his wings on that. And over time, as an adult, he tries anything. He is not stuck on wearing one shirt all the time, eating those foods all the time, not talking. It, was, it became a world of putting something in front of him that stretched his mind to the other side of the bridge. Another thing I did when he was learning to speak, one of the methods that they used was a memory game, you know, like cards. So there would be two of each card and she would have the cards in her hand and she'd flip them and then whatever card she'd get, she'd ask him to give her. So you'd know if he knew what a basket was, what a tree was, what stairs were, what a star was. It just went on and on and on. And we did this for a year before he actually spoke, like the words actually came out of his mouth. Well, bigger than that, bigger than that year was every time he went, the bridge of transition that I built for him there was 
he was videotaped, videotaped at every session. And I brought that videotape home and played it for him. So now instead of seeing one class, he saw that class like 12 times. And I was taking him three times a week because we were the first people that enrolled in the program because at that time, that was the breakout year for autism. So now he's watching himself about 36 times a week wearing the same shirt with the same fireman hat on his head. It was amazing and is amazing to have seen the transition because all I did was put in front of him the next step. So now here you are at home, Avril, and you want to do something different. Let's say you want to start moving or you want to start thinking in terms of self-love. Your bridge would be self-care. And how do you start with self-care is you give yourself time. Or a mother or a brother or a friend where you sit and you talk all the time, but just you by yourself to where you're really comfortable having conversations with yourself. And describe yourself to you. One of the biggest bridges of transition of just self-value is recording your conversations and listening to them. Because what happens is you no longer see that, oh, well, that's me and I already know me because whatever's in our head has been in our head forever. So we're so used to it that we don't even know what's there anymore. We just hear it and it becomes like an appendage. But when you record it and you put it out there and you hear it, and I know I've said this before, but it's so worth saying again. Now you're listening to a person. But bigger than that, where the transition happens, because now you built the bridge. You're, you're talking. And now you're listening. But then recording Press start again, and I want you, after you listen to it, to answer that voice as though you would your best friend if they came to you and told you that. Where the magic happens when you do that is when you actually listen to your own advice to you, when you listen to your own advice, which is like so critical, is that you start to believe that you really can be, you really can be that person that you know you can be, that you see in your future somehow. And what happens is that future gets closer and closer and closer until you are able to live it. 
And before you know it, you're like, wow, I used to think about this all the time, and now it's happening. And you think it's like this little miracle. Well, it is. One of the greatest movements of our minds and our lives is when we take our own advice. I learned that lesson when I first saw Christ. And I'd be telling people, oh, Christ said this, do it. Christ said that, do it. I was doing a lot of what Christ didn't even really think of it affecting me because I thought, well, I know it. So I know it already. But knowing something and doing something, two different things. When I started looking at the people around me, Growing because of this simple advice that wasn't hard. It just, we just had to do it. We just had to be aware of it. I was like, wow, look at that life change. Look at how they feel now. I'm going to do that. And I do it. And I'd be like, oh my God, this is magical. And the more I knew, the simpler it got. Build yourself a bridge, and then you walk yourself across it. Nobody on the face of this earth can do for you. I was telling people stuff all day long, literally since the day I've seen Christ. So that's been a good 17 years now. In two days, it will be 17 years. But no one did work for me, not even God, not even Christ, because of our free will. So I hope that kind of helped you. Please let me know, because if we need to do another show on Bridges of Transition, I will be more than happy to do it. The other question you asked is, I would love a question to be answered. Power of faith, hope, and trust, fear, and faith cannot coexist as choosing faith and how that can improve our relationship with ourselves and in the relationships in our life and the world. Thank you, Nadia, for all your work and for being the wonderful you. Wow, that's great. Thank you. And that was all of Avril's questions. You cannot fear God and love God at the same time. The only way I could describe that to you is how many things that you fear now, let's not say it's God, but how many things do you fear now? It's hard, isn't it? I'm scared of that. But I want it. But you don't know if you love it. I started to be careful about what I said I loved because there's some things that I didn't even understand about love, but that's a powerful energy. Call it love. But one of the greatest, what Christ calls taught in error, things we were taught in error, was that the same God that really loves us, that we are a part of, can hurt us. So now we feel like we have to behave a certain way, and we even lose sight of the fact that He can see us all the time. So now you have to say, Oh my gosh, 
God's seen me since I was born, since before I was born. God knew me before I got here, and he'll know me after I leave. Where in there have I ever felt punished by God? There is no. So why would there be punishment anywhere else? I remember one day I was driving, and this was years ago, like, I can't even remember what year it was. It was so long ago. It was when my sister and I still took vacations together. So it had to be before 2004. It was after I saw Christ, but before Little Wing was published. And I was driving to like deep Orange County, which was about an hour and a half from here. And I'm driving and I'm driving and you know, I could hear Christ, and I'm still like a newbie at Christ and all of that. And so I'm driving, and, and Christ says to me, there's no hell. Tell people there's no hell. Why would there be a hell? Ask them. And I thought, people are so busy. Could you imagine me, like, walking up to people and saying, why is there a hell? Why do you think there's a hell? But I did. I was meeting some people for breakfast and we were talking and I was like, why do you think there's hell? And they were like, well, because that's all we've been taught. That's all we know to be a hell. Well, the first thing I found out about hell was that we had an investment in it. We've been taught to be good, to avoid it. And then I understood why God asked that of us. Why is there a hell? Because it doesn't make sense. Dealing or God leaves that up to us or hurting each other. He leaves that up to us to take care of each other and take people out of the mix of people if they're hurting other people. That's not punishment. That's like a consequence of behavior that's not acceptable and we should never accept it the way we look at what improves our relationship with ourselves you don't have to choose faith we already are faith the choices that take us away from faith are where we choose but we originally start without fear without thinking, is there a God or not? We are really on point. And then we get shaped because we're like, how could that be true? Because we already felt this good, beautiful feeling, this wanting to live life and explore and run around. I mean, look at any kid. They they can't even sit still. They want to know everything. They're like hungry to figure out how to climb on top of a couch because they're too small to just sit on it. So they have to climb up or to hold on a table to walk around, but they do it. And if they can't walk, they crawl to get to their destiny. They find every single possible avenue. They don't even think of, can I get up on that couch? Do you ever see them? Nope. They just think, how am I going to get up on that couch? curiosity. And so it's there, it's just as an adult, 
we get kind of sequestered from feeling our emotions, from being emotional, from caring about the things we care about. It's really interesting. The only way to improve your relationship with yourself and with relationships in your life and your world is to understand that fear is a divider. What would be your bridge of transition? Just keep reminding yourself that God doesn't punish us. So we don't have a reason to fear our own faith in a bigger picture. However it is, we believe in God in the bigger picture of our lives. Because we already are that bigger picture. And once we recognize it, that bigger picture starts to show up in conversations and in people we meet. Avril, I hope I answered your question. I will see you guys tomorrow. I already ran out of time. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.